Welcome back to Software Social. This episode is sponsored by the website monitoring tool ODIR. We use ODIR to keep track of SSL certificates. If an SSL certificate is about to expire, we get an alert beforehand. We have automated processes to renew them, so we use ODIR as an extra level of peace of mind. You can sign up for a 10-day free trial with no credit card required at odir.app. Hey, welcome back to Software Social. Um, so today we're doing something kind of fun. We're leaning on the social parts of Software Social, and we have invited our friend Sean Fiorito to join us today. Hey guys, thanks for Hi, having Sean. me. Sean, thanks for being here. So, and the reason why we asked Sean, uh, in addition to being a great person, um, is that Sean wrote a book called Sketching with CSS. And as you all know, I am writing a book and figuring it out. And there is a lot of stuff I haven't figured out, <laughs> um, especially when it comes to like actually selling the book. Like, I feel like that, I feel like the, the writing the part book is, um, like, I feel like I, I kind of got a handle on that. The whole selling the book thing, like not so much. Um, so we thought it would be kind of helpful to have Sean come on since like he's done this successfully. So Sean, <laughs> I would love to start with a little bit of your background with the book. What inspired you to write it? Um, how did you get started? Where did that idea come from? Yeah. So I wanted to quit my job. <laughs> Don't we all? And the honest goal. <laughs> I always wanted to go on my own, be independent, run my own business. That's been a goal for a very long time. So I tried various things, you know, in my spare time with limited to no success for years and years before that. And I was just getting sick of the plan was, you know, I'm like, okay, I have this job and in my spare time, I'm going to get something going. And then, and that just wasn't working. So I was getting impatient. Anyway, I ended up signing up with Amy Hoy's 30 by 500 class. This was seven or eight years ago. So I signed up for that class. Actually, wait, I'm getting my timeline a little mixed up. So I started reading stuff by Amy Hoy. It's funny, I'd actually bought another book that she wrote and she used her sort of process for that book. And I bought that for my for my job earlier. And I was like, oh, this Amy Hoy person is interesting. And so I started reading her blog and then she has these things she writes called e-bombs, which you guys are probably familiar with that term, but they're basically content that it's educational content directed at her target you know, customer, which she would call her audience. So I was just, she, at that point she had started 30 by 500. I think it was actually called a year of hustle at that point. And so she had all this content and I was just devouring it. Cause I was like, she gets me, she knows my problem <laughs> and this is awesome. So I was just reading everything that she could write that she wrote and, you know, finding any resource that she'd ever written about, like, what's her process? Cause she was talking about this mysterious process that she has and she gives, she would talk about it. And I was able to sort of reverse engineer part of her course, the main thing called sales safari. So I'm at, I'm at my job coasting, doing a half-assed job, spending a lot of time 
doing sales safari, trying to figure out what, what product I should do. You're not product, but that, that's not the way to think about it with sales safari, but trying to figure out like what, who, what audience should I focus on and what problems do they have? And what's the juiciest problem that makes sense for me to tackle? And then, and she would call them pains, by the way, not, not problems. So what's the juiciest pain that they have for me that would like be the easiest for me to peel off and, and work on. So I started digging and it was like, all right, well, what audience makes sense for me? This is kind of the process. And it was like, turn, you know, like web designers, web developers, cause I was a web developer. Um, and so like what the, you know, audiences that are close to audiences that I'm in is kind of ideal. So I started there and then I just read and read and read. I probably put like 80 hours of research time into that process wow, that's a lot. of just reading and reading and reading and reading and taking notes and really understanding and whittling down and figuring out my audience and figuring out. So the thinking, the benefit of that amount of time spent deliberately going through a process like that is that at some point I became so in tune with the audience that I could identify and this is going to pay off for you, Michelle, um, this, this little story, because this feeds into like, how do you sell it? At some point, it meant that I could tell when a thing that I was like a piece of content marketing that I was working on was going to resonate very strongly with my audience and be worth the effort, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And it didn't really take much. Like after I got done with that much amount of research, it was sort of like pretty trivial for me to come up with ideas for content that I could write that I knew people were going to just eat up. And so that's, that's how I started building my, building my mailing list. Um, and then that's how eventually calling to your question, <laughs> I came up with sketching with CSS, which it was a solution to a pain point that I'd identified in my audience, which at that point was um, web designers. Ooh. How big did your mailing list grow? I have 20,000 people on my mailing 20, list. 20,000? Guacamole. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So Do like I, I said, I got really many? good. No, 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 no. Okay. So when I- <laughs> <laughs> I've got like 200 people on my mailing list or like 220 and like for context that's like 200 more people than I ever expected to have on the mailing list and hearing like 20,000 feels uh feels very far from from 200. Well let me say something that will hopefully be more reassuring. The Amy and Alex, for example, they've been running 30 by 500 for years and I think their mailing list is just now approximating like 20,000 or so. And like the, they have been making so much money with that course with a significantly smaller mailing list. And that's a really like high value product too. So anyway, if it makes you feel any better, I, I really think they only have like a couple thousand people on their mailing list for a long time. And then for me, I launched pre-sales of my book at that point. My, I think I only had Boy, I used to, I used to have this memorized, but I, it's been so long now, but I think I only had like, it was less than 2000, I think. 
I think. So, and even then, I don't think you need that. I know people that have launched with much smaller lists than that. And, and it was fine because the, the people that are on your list now guarantee it, you're, will be very interested in, in buying the book. You know, that'll be like a low, low barrier to entry. Assuming like your mailing list is one of the ways that you're thinking of selling the book. Yeah, I, I guess, uh, it's not a good answer, but like, I, I, I don't, I actually, I admit I'm a little bit like wary to kind of hit it too hard. Like I'd probably send out like, like if I did a pre-sale, which I guess I should. And actually I had someone a couple of days ago who has been reading the drafts, um, who actually I think is also a 30 by 500 student um, in the past, um, say that they wanted to like pre-buy the book and ask me how to do it. And I was like, that's a great question. Um, I will figure that out. Um, and like, so maybe do that. And then maybe one more when like the book comes out um yeah because so I've been thinking about the newsletter as a way to draft the book because I find writing an email to be a lot easier than like staring at a blank cursor just you know blinking at me um and I guess I haven't really like and like people signed up for it to read the drafts of the book so I guess I almost feel bad like using it for sales too much like you know I want to let people know that the book exists but like I don't want to I don't know is that so it's very considerate of you uh to think about that <laughs> another way of saying that another also a way to not make any money off of it well yeah <laughs> all that but also it's kind of inconsiderate of you to not be thinking about all the people that really, really, really want to buy it and also would like to read anything that you're writing right now. Like you're just completely leaving them out there to dry. And there are definitely people like that on your mailing list. Um, so uh, there, like, there's like, some people on your mailing list are not going to be interested in your content if you're sending it too much or, um, or just in general, we're only lightly interested in what you're writing about or mistakenly signed up for your mailing list, which at this point, you probably don't have that problem. So like to some extent, that's always the case. And it used to bother me a lot. I would send an email and sales emails especially would result in bigger unsubscribes after every email. Cause you know, your little email tool tells you like, can, you know, so nice of it to tell you like this many people unsubscribed after you sent this email. Uh, and it's always a big jump after like a sales email. Uh, that used to bother me a lot, but then I started kind of watching even my own behavior and you probably do the same. And you probably like look forward to some emails from some people that hit your inbox uh, from some newsletters that you're looking forward to and you very much like them to send you more. Uh, and then there's other people where you're like, well, I signed up for that like a couple of years ago and I just am not thinking about that anymore. And I need like to like whittle down my content. So you unsubscribe. So then you become that unsubscribe number uh, on the other end of the person sending the email, but like you weren't annoyed. You didn't mind. It was just like time to move on. And that's usually the case. So I think um, people can just unsubscribe as long as it's easy. I would literally put it at the top of my emails. So mm. like, cause I would send emails very infrequently. I was not disciplined about that. And I still don't think that that's a problem, but the, 
but because I sent them infrequently, I put it at the top, like, Hey, you know, you signed up for this because you probably read this thing I wrote. You want interested in the book, whatever. If you, this is not for you anymore, just unsubscribe, like first thing. Mm. So that always made me feel better about sending emails. And also, I don't know, I think that's the right thing to do. So people just know like upfront that, you know, oh, okay. There's the easy to find unsubscribe button when they're done and then that's fine. Actually, we anyway. did that for Duocodio once, like I want to say it was like a year or, or two ago and our lists had been like super disorganized. And like, I think we had, we were sending stuff like we would send like one or two marketing emails a year from MailChimp. And then we also had intercom and those things didn't sync up. And so like sometimes people would unsubscribe in intercom and then like not be unsubscribed in MailChimp or like vice versa. And then since we didn't send a lot of email, we used MailChimp's pay-as-you-go. And then they just like shut down their pay-as-you-go option a couple of years ago, even though we had a ton of credits, which is a little annoying. Um, and, and then so like with the next time, and then I think we migrated over to MailCoach. And so the next time we sent out an email, we actually like for some reason, we, we were like, there's probably a lot of people on this who have meant to unsubscribe. And so at the very top of the next email, we put an unsubscribe link and we also put a link to delete their account and like a bunch of people did it, but then our number of people who were unsubscribing later on, like went like way down. So it was like ripping off the bandaid basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think like, I don't know when people unsubscribe from Geocodio at this point, it doesn't like break your heart anymore. I'm guessing. Right. No, but I, I, I mean, we're like, we're kind of like jumping to something that has been very much on my mind, but I haven't been wanting to admit that it was there and just trying to like pretend that it's not there, which is all of the, the dealing with rejection um, around either, you know, people being mad that they were being sold to or um, negative reviews. And um, I'm, I like, it, you know, it sounds like you kind of have a process for like accepting those feelings. It used to and bother it, me a lot. Like, yeah. Yeah, it used to bother me a lot. Um, there were two things that I hated. I hated front page Hacker News <laughs> and I hated getting angry emails. Um, oh. I also got creep, tons of creepy emails. Once you get like past a certain threshold in the number of subscribers you have, the, the creepiness factor the creepy? increases. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the... But I got used to all of that. I just realized like there's just some percentage of people that are just angry right now or whatever, like they're, <laughs> whatever they're going through. Um, and I know that like I am very carefully crafting things such that the most, most of my content is not self-serving. Most of it is uh directly a result of research that tells me that this is a problem that people are having and now I'm helping you. So I'm like, I never feel bad about those. And then even the sales emails, I started to not feel bad about those too. Cause I'm like, this is also a thing that's helping you, but mm. that took a while to get to. I mean, honestly it did. And it got worse when it became my only source of income, um, mm. it, which added extra, extra feelings. But yeah, there's a lot of feelings to like get through. And now I have, just develop more of a thick skin, you know, like I'm not terrified of having a super popular article anymore or, um, you know, stuff like that. That doesn't, that doesn't bother me anymore. I think it just came with time, just like with you and Geocodio. I mean, I'm sure you 
are used to like some fluctuations of revenue, which probably bothered you a lot at the beginning, but now not so much. I mean, I'm just, I'm guessing, but, but it seems, you know, I'm sure there's some things with there that you've got a thick skin about now. Oh my gosh. I mean, for years, every time a plan downgrade came through, like every time it was like a punch in the gut, like, um, and yeah, I think now that I, I guess I trust the revenue more. Um, I'm not as impacted by it. Um, it's more like, oh, I wonder like why that was like, did their project end or like, you know, like what happened? Um, but yeah, in the, in the beginning, especially when it was first our, like it, when it, when it became my, like full-time income, I mean, as, as you said, like that is really painful. Like, I, I'm curious, like, so you, so, so like, when did you start writing the book? Let me think. Like, like the year or timing, like in terms of the timeline, like how much? I, whichever one you want to go with. Yeah, I can't remember the year because it was a while ago. It was like <laughs> eight, eight years ago. Oh, wow. Okay. So you started, I think it was 2013 is when I started. So I guess yeah. you, you did the, so it sounds like you, you did 30 by 500 first, right? Yeah. I had the, I had started writing the book before 30 by 500, but like oh, I said, okay. I was, okay. I was following her process already. I'd sort of reverse engineered it. And then I felt like I just owed her the money for the, for the course. So, so <laughs> I wasn't like, wanted to meet her. So yeah. So you started like the research process, basically like, like 30 by five, like was only one part of your like research. For, like, cause you said you, you had, um, sort of, you had figured out what her process was based on the blog posts and whatnot before you yeah. took the course. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And at that point I had already generated the research I needed to see, to choose sketching the CSS as a, as a product. I pretty much had, I think I had a landing page. I hadn't done pre-sales yet, but I was, I was gearing up for that. You were so organized. Um, Michelle, do you have a landing page? Um, there, um, there is a website. Um, okay, I didn't know. I, well, I didn't hold it. anyone about it because I thought <laughs> your about- Your secret website. I, <laughs> I actually nice. have two. Um, I thought of the domain name or like the name for it in the shower. And then I like immediately like ran for the computer to see if it was available. Um, and I actually bought two. And then I think we put like a- book uh oh my god I just typed it wrong um this is the part even, where you tell us what it is there's nothing on it and actually if I oh, say okay. it now then we have to have something on it by well there's no way to pressurize the situation <laughs> then uh, tell us right now so okay it is okay. deployempathy.com okay okay crap nice. now I have it um I don't even know how I'm gonna sell it okay so um and I think I have another one too, but yeah, we have ve- like a very basic like WordPress template on it. Like it's not, it's not, okay. But so I was trying to figure out, so like people keep asking me like, oh, like when's your book coming out? And I'm like, I have no idea. I have never done this before. I don't know what steps are ahead of me. So, okay. So, so you started writing the book while you were doing research concurrently and then how and and you were also oh sorry also, there's two types of research okay so we should clarify that there was okay. my audience research and understanding the pain that i was solving mm. and then there's research about the book 
I didn't have to do as much research about the book. I mean, I already, like the, the type of book I ended up writing, I already had, you know, the expertise I needed to, to write that mm -hmm. book. Um, so yeah, it was audience research was already done by the time I was writing sketching with CSS. So I wasn't doing research like that while writing the book. Okay. And then you also had the landing page up and you started building your list while you were doing this research and writing phase. Mm -hmm. Okay. So how long did it take you from like the time that you had the idea for the book to when people could, um, like buy and download the book like it's like the big picture like how long did that process take you well i mean keep in mind that a ton of the work was while i was still full-time working in theory <laughs> um <laughs> i mean i guess i am too right like this is not my yeah. full-time thing yeah but i think like per, from 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 research to launch, like book is done. It was like in the four to six month range. I okay. Think. Okay. So I think I started at like the end of February uh, with a newsletter and it's May. So that's like, yeah, I, I do feel like I'm doing a little bit of, uh, I think what we have termed Colleen does of putzing in the code garden. <laughs> Uh, rather than selling things or doing marketing or whatnot. And I am totally doing that with my manuscript, I guess you could call it. Sounds so fancy. Um, and just like moving commas around and like totally procrastinating on making images for it. Like totally, totally procrastinating on that. Okay. So it took you like four to six months to get to yeah, that there was Yeah. And there was a launch in between there. You know, oh, wait, like so I, when was the, like, so was your presale, your launch or like, how does it, that work? You could do lots of launches. This, so what, this the, is like the part that I, that is like, just sort of like, you know, in my head, it's like step one, write book, like step two, question, 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 step three, profit. Like that's sort of where I am right now. I feel like you're already doing most of the things that I would do. Um, the... The one thing, so, all right, so you're, you're working in public, so you're getting interest via Twitter, you're writing to your mailing list, you're doing the right thing, which is writing content for your book that, you know, is also useful to your mailing list, like independently, um, like, like getting double bang for your buck is smart when you're doing this kind of business. So uh, you're keeping your list warm and off. People are, you're building anticipation. People are telling you you're building anticipation because they're like, hey, when do I get to buy this book? Um, so, you know, you're, you're basically doing all the things. Uh, as you know, from, from my perspective, looking in, it seems like you're just accidentally or intuitively doing the right, doing the right stuff. The thing that's missing between like what you are doing and what I did probably I would press pause on book writing and do specific content marketing things just to build my mailing list. But I love putzing in the code card. And I'm not, I'm not, oh, sorry. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't mean to say that as like, you should do that. That's what I, I would, as in like, I was doing that. I mean, and I don't you know. wrote like a successful book and sold it and it was your full-time job for a period of time. So you're kind of here because you're good at this and because I need to be told these things. 
Right. Well, so I'm just saying what fair. I did, but it's, like, it's really ultimately you get to pick and choose <laughs> what you do. The, you know, I actually happen to very much enjoy the process of coming up with content that I knew would be popular and writing it and sharing it everywhere and doing all that stuff. And also I knew I needed to, cause I was going to try and make this my full-time living. So I'm like, any more people on my mailing list. So that was pretty important to me based on the goals I was trying to achieve. Uh, the, the other thing is though, like even with a small mailing list, your book has the, as a, a lot of book sales are going to come from word of mouth. Like I sort of forced the book onto the scene, but like it, it's not a, the sketching of CSS is not like a, well, the marketing theme is like the marketing message at the time. It doesn't connect anymore because that the world has moved on from that, that phase of web development. But like, while people could read the marketing, the landing page and connect really strongly and, you know, be interested in the book, the book didn't really lend itself well to word of mouth because it's not like, it was not like a, oh, you should read this. Like it's this lightweight, like reading recommendation. It's gotta be, you've gotta be like ready to commit to learning a bunch of code. So it's like, um, there's like a smaller group of people at any given time that are like at that point. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Versus your book, it's, it seems like it's like a higher level of value. Like it's a more abstract than like, here are the, here are the, learn this code. Here's how to type in git commands. Here's how to do that. You know, like I was really like down at the, like, here's what you're going to be doing day to day in your job. And you're, you're giving them the same message, but like in a way that can be, that is at like a higher level, it's maybe easier to read, you know, in your spare time. Um, it's like a business book it has the same qualities of like successful business books. Uh, so I think that you may not have to do any of the content marketing stuff that I was doing is what I'm getting at. Because like, I can already tell I'm ready to read your book and I'm ready to recommend it to people. <laughs> like, <laughs> Cause it does solve like a question that people have all the time and a problem people have. And they're like, Oh, I wish I knew how to, you know, talk to my customers more effectively or understand, you know, the types of customers that are going to be interested in my products or what problems they're having, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Customer research, that kind of thing. Uh, that is a topic of conversation that comes up a lot in my communities that I hang out in. And so, you know, your book's going to be like at hand for me to recommend. That's, that's what I suspect. That's my, that's my theory <laughs> for your book. Yeah. I guess, I mean, there's parts of it definitely. It's that also people... got a catchy name. <laughs> hey, I thought of it in the shower and then I ran to register the domain, which is exactly what you were supposed to do when you have a good idea for something, right? Like this is the yes, process. Definitely. Like <laughs> you already had a book though. So it's different. You're like, I'm going to write this book called deploying empathy. And you already like wrote it. So I think you're good to go. Yeah. Actually, I didn't have a name for a while. Okay. So, so something else I have a, like a question on, which you kind of just sort of touched on with that about like super practical elements. So some, some of it is you can, you can definitely sit down and, and you could probably read it in a sitting or two. Um, but then there's, there's the stuff that's more like a toolbox with all of the different scripts, which um, by the way, earlier when you were saying like finding the type of content that people are really hungry for, like that, like those scripts are the thing that people are the most excited about. The problem is there's only like 
so many sort of general scenarios. So I've basically written the main ones. But so something I noticed with your site, uh, which is sketchingwithcss.com, just for everybody's reference. So you have the book plus code, which is like your basic option for $39. And then you have one with a video package for 99. And then you have another one with more stuff for 249. And then there's one with like all the things for your team for 499. And so something that people have asked me for is like, like there's the book piece. And then there's also, um, people want to be able to easily replicate the scripts so that they can then like use them to build their own scripts off of it and um, like modify them and whatnot. So people have said like, whether that could be like a notion um, templates, like bundle that it's sold with or Google docs or, or whatever. And so I've been like, kind of like, how do you sell the book with this like other bundle? And like, can you also do that? Like if you sell like a, a physical book too, like if I did it through Amazon, like, could I also sell a notion template bundle or something like, and I just, I'm kind of, that's sort of like something that's on my mind is like, I'm not really sure how to approach that. And I'm wondering if you could kind of like talk through your approach to creating like different tiers and what you provided at those different tiers. Mm -hmm. Right. So at the time, I, I know <laughs> I have a more sophisticated thought process about it now, but the, when I did the initial set of tiers, it was because Nathan Barry told me that I should have three tiers because it tripled his revenue. So I was like, oh, hmm. okay. I mean, that's I should do that. Reason. Yeah. Like, like we just happened to be at the the bacon biz. Oh, because that's the other person that I was, I'd, I had, I bought his book. So here's the thing I always do. I, I would buy people's books so that way I could email them. Um, Is that so a thing? <laughs> like if you buy someone's book, or do you have a license to email them? Oh, you get one, you get one email. Um, and as long as it's, you know, not creepy, that's the, that's the main thing. But yeah, so we had a bacon, bisque, bacon, this conference, uh, in real life. And then, yeah, that's what he, that's what he told me that. And I was like, oh yeah. Okay. I think Patrick McKenzie was there too. And he said something similar. So I was like, oh, duh. Cause they did a landing page tear down for me at that Ooh. conference. That's right. Wow. Nice. So, yeah. So anyway, so I did the, I did that because somebody told me to, and in fact, it's true. Like if I hadn't done that. You could just see like the way the purchases ended up that like that absolutely almost tripled my revenue. So oh wow, yeah, it's <laughs> a big deal for books because it's not like uh, yeah. Anyway, the though the way the way you're talking about it though, because there's another way to think about it. I was thinking about it in tears with the book, but another way to think about it is in terms of a product funnel. So your, your book could be super cheap and it is the entry point into your product, your little product universe. Cause like you're, what you're doing is naturally because you're literally writing a book about this, listening to your customers and understanding that they have other, like you're really understanding what their, their pain is. And you see that there's different ways that you could solve it for them. Right. Mm. Each one of those things is a product. So you could bundle that stuff into your book. You could create tiers like I did. Um, and maybe it does make sense. We can talk about this more, but like there's, there's, a, there's different ways to do tiers with books 
that, that makes sense that aren't exactly what I did. Um, but also like what you're describing is basically different courses. So let's, so like people that run these info product businesses, like what you end up with is like, you've got this world of courses and you've got this world of content and people come in from like search, you know, or whatever channel that you've uh, worked on. Usually it's like an SEO channel, like through your content. And then they enter your automated marketing system. And then the first thing they do is buy probably your cheapest thing, your book. And then you're moving them on to the next level into in your email marketing system to get them to start looking at, you know, your course, which is like a more in-depth version of the book or whatever. Um, so anyway, I'm just sort of sketching out like how, how these content marketing businesses tend to work. So you kind of end up in their little universe and then you just get bounced around. They're all their various email automation. If you've been in anybody's like any internet famous person's little like email world, you've probably noticed eventually if you're there for long enough, you're like, Hey, I already got that email. Um, and uh, so anyway, so that's, there's like a different ways of looking at it. You don't have to do tiers. Uh, you could just sell your book, you know, a digital version. Here's the hardback version. You make it cheap and then, you know, lots of people, lots of people read it. And then, uh, it turns out that this is still really interesting to you. Do you still like solving people's problems? And you're like, you know what, like I should release like some recordings of customer interviews as like examples or whatever, you know, and then you peel that off into a different product and you sell that. Um, and slowly you build up this machine basically, uh, also got to talk to be Keith Perhack, who's in our group too. Oh yeah. I should totally talk to Keith. Did he write yeah. a book? Yeah, he did. But also huh. his his job before running Segmetrics was with a, a an internet famous person that you guys know of that ran uh, these huge content marketing programs and had this whole product funnel thing and all this stuff that I was talking about. So Keith is like expert on that topic. I guess I don't know if I want to go that direction just now because I do, uh-huh. you know, I do have a job. Um <laughs> Um, so I'm, you yeah, just be like Amy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, yeah, so I guess I have to think about that and thinking about like, um, like where to price it and those bundles and whatnot. Actually, I have another super like mechanical question. So between the time you announced the pre-order and when you actually, like people could actually like, so like, first of all, like, what was the incentive for somebody to pre-order? And then what was the time from like, when you announced the pre-order to when you, like, people could actually get it? Like, how far in advance do you do a pre-order? And what do you, like, do you have to give people something? To- yeah, I can't, I actually can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember. What did <laughs> I do? I, I did a pre-order. I can't even remember if I gave him the book or not. I don't think you have to. Some people just buy it ready to go. I think I, I probably did give him like, here's everything I got so far and it's going to change, but you know, here's that, um, okay. here's what I've got and you know, whatever version, like people don't care if it's like not even formatted or, you know, uh, give me everything you got. Um, cause the people that are going to do that are ready to just devour it. And then also some of them might be like, I'm not want to write, I don't want to write now, but I, I had a discount. Right. So there's like the pre-order disc. It's like a little bit cheaper to buy it now. Um, because I knew I was going to be selling it at like as like a forty dollar product, 
So the discount, I think I sold it initially for pre-orders for like 29 bucks or maybe less even. Yeah, maybe it's like 20 bucks or something like that. Okay, and so Michelle, now I- it's like 39. Yeah, it probably yeah. makes sense for you as someone who I'm using it and referencing it, even though it's not done because those scripts, like you were saying, are so valuable to people. Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess I sort of like, feel like everybody already has everything. I mean, reality, like they, they don't because everything has been changed so much, but I guess I need to like set it up too. Like I need to decide on a platform to use to actually sell it. Um, oh, I, like did, I didn't do that at okay. first. <laughs> so did you just use Stripe? I think I used PayPal. I was literally I, like, okay. here's my email, send PayPal money there. And then I sent it to them. deal with VAT and sales tax and stuff? I don't think VAT existed. But also I would have just ignored it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I guess I'm in the EU, so I kind of can't. Um, it's the wild yeah, west out to... here. <laughs> America. Um, <laughs> no, I had a really bad tax bill the first year because I ignored all of that stuff. Oh, not to okay. Like... So you're not advising. That. <laughs> no, no. This is not financial not a good advice. Idea. <laughs> I'm just saying what I did. I'm not saying you should do that. <laughs> this may or may not be good advice. What you are hearing, just so you know, <laughs> all of this may be bad advice. Um, okay. So I basically, I, now- I got audited too, actually. I forgot. Oh, about no. That. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so don't, yeah, definitely don't do that. <laughs> Being audited is not as bad as it sounds. It turns out, but that's anyway, it's a different story. <laughs> I was, I feel like I should do a, uh, you know, like a top gear here and be like, well, on that massive disappointment, um, <laughs> Uh, thank you and good evening. Um, so, okay. So, you know what I feel, see, I feel like I look at you and you're like, you like have your stuff together about selling a book and the fact that you had all, like you had these fears about like getting rejected by it and like put, um, all this into it and you did it without having done it before. Um, and you know, made mistakes, uh, looking back um that you are now helping me not um replicate um I feel I feel a little I feel a little better about this and also I guess I have a deadline now which is five days from now to have the website functional so that's fun you're welcome (laughs) (laughs) I'm here for you Michelle just push you over the cliff (laughs) I mean I just like copy paste content into it right um, I noticed actually that Sean, like your site has a ton of testimonials and that's something I have been sort of tepidly starting to collect. Um, like, I guess I'm a little bit afraid to like ask people for testimonials, but I've gotten a couple. So, so. what you do is you write them the testimonial, then you email them and you say, can I use this as your testimonial? And then they say yeah. yes. And then you put it on your page. That, that's lower friction than what I've been asking for. Um, but, but that makes sense. Um, I mean, I would also peel out. So they said something good in an email and I would copy it and then change it. Mm. So it sounded better. And then can I use this as a testimonial? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when I say sounds better, I mean, just like copy edit. Right. I mean, I guess like we do that with Geocodio and I think like Colleen and I have talked about this, how I guess I've like gotten over all of these 
fears with Geocodio and I'm so much more confident with it. And maybe it's because it doesn't have my name like directly on it, or it's just been around for like seven and a half years now versus this. I'm like, I'm so much more unsure. Like you haven't done this in a long time. Like, I've never written probably, a book. You, well, well, whatever. <laughs> like you haven't done a launch because you can launch anything. You could have launched Geocodio. Yeah. You could have launched it this way too, but you just haven't done that yeah. before. And that's yeah. weird. Launch is weird because launch is like, everybody pay attention to me now. Uh, yeah, I'm super at first. uncomfortable with that. Yeah. 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 That's, that's what it feels like. But then what I realized was if you're doing it right, it's not that. It mm. feels like it, but you're not actually making it about you. It's about them. Uh, and then for like a couple of days, you know, you got to be like, here's the product, you can buy it. And you got to be like sending more emails than you would normally. Lots of people will unsubscribe. Mm -hmm. But like I said, those people are not subscribing. Some of them probably hate you, but you know, most of them are probably just unsubscribing because like they're, turns out they weren't interested now that they actually see what it is. They're like, oh no, that's not what I was thinking it was or whatever. You get yeah. used to it. Like you definitely get used to it. I did it for a couple yeah. products and- over time, I just didn't care anymore. <laughs> like, like I absolutely felt like I was doing it good for people. And I know that I was because I didn't get nearly as much. I would think that some of my friends who were in that space would tell me that I needed to go harder, you know, um, like a little more salesy than I was. But anyway, the point the thing is, is like, I'm not like, I, I'm not averse to, to marketing. And I think, I mean, this is something that like we were actually talking about the other day of like people like technical people being averse to like sales and, and marketing. And like, like I have written the book with this in mind that like, hopefully that like people will recommend it. Like, like an audience of the book is like product leaders and, and marketing leaders who need to teach their teams how to do this. And so like, that's an audience I'm writing for because if they, then they have to like buy the book for like five people. And then if they get a new job or promotion or whatever in two years, then they need to teach the team, like their new team, how to do it again. Um, and so like, that is like comfortable for me, but yeah, I guess, as you were saying, like hitting the sales hard is, um, is a little bit uncomfortable. And I guess I will just have to deal with a couple of days of like that being, uh, awkward and like doing the whole, like, you know, I don't know, like home shopping network style, like, and here's this book and you can have it for the low, low price of $29 plus all so of these bundles, like. The thing that, okay, maybe this will help you, but they would help, help me is I just focus on, on the, on the, on the people that are on your audience and like your copy and everything is about them. It's about you. You're using, I know you're doing this, right? So you're going to use the word you and your copy. Like you never use the word I in your copy, right? So everything is about them. You've done all this research, you know them, you know, you know, the problems they're facing, you know, the pains they're having. And so you could just keep talking about that and talking about that launch then is then just like more of those types of emails, like a higher cadence than you're used to, which is still just about them. And then you're hitting them with like, okay, and now it's here. Like you're the whole time you're telling them it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. And then now it's here, here's what's in it. And you're going to have these emails that just say, here's everything that's in it. And then here's questions that people might have email that falls up and then, Hey, this is going to end in like a certain amount of time, follow up. And then you got one hour left, you know, email. So you do these, you do this sequence of emails, but like you have to remember when you're sending those that are the most uncomfortable that 
some people are really, really excited. And if you don't send them that stuff, they won't buy it and they'll, they'll regret it. Mm. Like there's some people that genuinely are very excited and super thrilled to get those emails. Mm. Actually, can I run a, I have like a tagline I, or not like uh, a headline I have been throwing around in my head. Can I run it past you? Yeah. For an article? No, for the book. Like, so like this would be the like main headline on the site. Yeah. Yeah. Your time is too valuable to spend it building things people don't want. Perfect. I mean, it's a little wordy, but yeah, like the concept mm. is perfect. Okay. I will work on the wordiness. I mean, okay. it's really, it's good though. That's perfect. It's good. I guess it's good enough, right? It's good enough for me to slap a site together in the next checks watch five days um, and, and get that going. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. That you could roll with that as an H two on a landing page, easy. Yeah, that would that would be fine the way it is. Cool. Cause I need an image of the book. All right, there's all this stuff I'll have to do, but I guess I'll just be. I had just away like a, You know what would be fun for you? I have archive version of like my old initial website. <gasps> if you go to, oh, it doesn't work anymore. Can I look it up on Internet Archive or like? Probably you can. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't, I used to have it just up so that I could, you could go to the URL, but yeah, so you'd have to go through the internet archive. But I had, and I did a, I did a write-up on the landing page teardown and just got screenshots from the, uh, from the old version. It was truly, truly awful, but I sold $7,000 worth of book through it. So. Can I ask you how much you sold overall? Do you reveal that? Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, So it's actually hard to know because (laughs) the, well, because as I've revealed, I'm not fantastic about keeping track of my finances, or I wasn't then. But the uh, the book through its lifespan has made about one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Ooh! And most nice. of that was the first two years because I was really, really actively pushing mm. it, and then it just sort of like continued to make sales and dribs and drabs, and and now it makes probably I don't know. I think. I sold a thousand dollars worth of it last year, which makes sense because it's pretty out of date at this point. Mm. Mm. That'd be interesting to know why people are still buying it. Um, well, because the concept of designing in the browser is still something that people, you know, talk about from time to time. Should designers write code or should they be using Figma or at the time, you know, it was Sketch or Photoshop. Mm-hmm. I think all my copy is about Photoshop. So you know, so like, I, I think that that concept is still valid. My copy is a little dated. The, um, the, the tech inside the book is a little, a little dated at this point, though still useful. Uh, so yeah, I think that it's just the, so that was one of the things that I learned for content marketing was the, so if you want something to be really like, a really big hit and to sort of like make the rounds on the internet, you know, it's those articles that sometimes just like everybody's reading. Uh, the key to those is it has to be, well, there's like three rules, but like one of the rules is it has to be something everybody's talking about right now. And so at the time, everybody was talking about, should we design in the browser? That was a big point of conversation. Um, I would say now like a similar level of conversation would be people talking about how much they hate single page apps, like in the Ruby on rails 
community and trying to like get off of that. Right. So like if you wrote a book about building single page app equivalents and hotwire, something like that, that would probably resonate really, really well with that community right now. And you'd get a lot of free, you get a lot of free buzz when it's people are already talking about it. Um, so that's the problem. I think that that's why like hardly anybody's buying it now, but still people are talking about that. So you get like a little bit. And then also I have all these marketing automated things that are still running. Um, so like I have some content that I accidentally wrote that has a lot of Google traffic, right? Like I didn't accidentally write it, but I accidentally like did some search engine optimization on it. <laughs> and so I get quite a bit of traffic from those pages and then they end up signing up for like my tutorial things. And then they're in my little email automation thing that I set up and eventually they get a pitch and then they, and then they buy. So there's some trickle down of that. Mm, that makes sense. So I guess this will be my last question. Um, is there anything else I should know about selling a book? Yeah. You don't have to do any of the things that I said, like, <laughs> like, well, I think, I think you're already like doing all the right things. I was pushing really hard to make it my business. And so that, and frankly, once it got to the point where it was my business, that was a distraction for me. It made it hard, harder for me to stay relaxed and focused on doing the things that were the best for my customers. Like once money became this like concern. So to me, you have this advantage of like, you don't have to, you don't have to worry about that. Like each one of the things that I did, like, it feels like you should bone up a little bit on how to do a launch though. That's not too difficult. You don't have to do like the greatest job ever. And you maybe even already know how to do that to some extent. But other than that, I don't know, like 200 people on a mailing list, probably enough already. And you'll, you'll get more as people are more and more interested. And, you know, do you have an email subscribe on any of your content at all that you've written? Uh, so it's all in review. So I think it all has a subscribe link at the bottom. Perfect. And I guess I have one on yeah. Twitter, like on my pinned tweet is a subscription to the newsletter. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like by the time I was doing it full time, I mean, the number of, I was doing so many other things that we didn't even talk about um, for marketing, which it's like, we don't need, we don't even need to go there. Cause you don't, you don't need to do any of that stuff. Um, I think you're doing everything right. And I would think carefully about like what your goals are with the book and for both you and for your customers and then kind of size it, right size it accordingly. Mm. And don't feel guilty about not doing all the right marketing things because the right marketing things, just as long as you're focused on your audience and the people that are going to be reading your book, you're, you're doing the right thing. Mm. Well, thank you for that like boost of uh, encouragement. You're welcome. I guess to wrap up, we should mention, by the way, that you have your own show um, and you're actually getting something off the ground right now. Um, do you want to talk about that for a second? Yeah. So my friend Aaron Francis and I, we have a company called Hammerstone. It's at hammerstone.dev. Our podcast is is linked to there on the, the homepage. It's, we have, like you guys, it's kind of like a ride-along podcast and we just 
do our weekly check-in. We record it as a, as a podcast. And what we're working on is a drop-in component for Laravel. The component allows you to, allows your users to build dynamically build queries, which they can, you could then use to display reports, et cetera, to them. Um, yeah. So that's, that's our new thing that we're working on. That's a new thing for me. I should probably have a whole other podcast and invite you on to ask you about how I should be marketing my software business. <laughs> <laughs> so by the way, so the podcast is really good. Um, we, uh, binged it on a road trip a couple of months ago and you should totally start at the beginning because like, so, so yes, like the software part is interesting, but there's this whole other element that Aaron's wife is pregnant with multiples and the podcast started in like December, right? Yeah. So, and she was due in April. And so there's this like whole like tension of it of like, oh my God, like, are they going to get to launch stuff before like. Aaron goes from being not a parent to the parent of multiple children overnight. Like, is it like, is it going to happen? And I found myself as I was listening, I was like, oh my God, like, like <laughs> it really added this element of suspense that I have not felt while listening to another podcast. And it made it very enjoyable. You know what's frustrating? I just realized your <laughs> audience actually overlaps with the audience of my product. And I just did a horrible job of pitching it. I was like, Eh, I could just sort of half-ass explain it here, but that's, all you uh, Laravel people like just check it out. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> just take my word for it. <laughs> this has been really fun, Sean. Thank you so much for coming on. You're welcome. I really appreciate all of your advice and uh, I uh, I don't know what you call the the anti-advice. You know, don't ignore <laughs> taxes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and encouragement and perspective. It really means a lot to me. You're welcome. Thanks for having me on. This is awesome. So um, if you guys uh, liked this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes or let us know that you listened on Twitter and we'll talk to you next week. Huge thanks to all of our listeners who've become software socialites and support our show. Chris from Chipper CI the daringly handsome Kevin Griffin, and Mike from Gently Used Domains, who has a nice personality, Dave from Recut, Max of Online or Not, Stefan from Talk to Stefan, Brendan Andrade of Brightbits, Team Tuple, Alex Hillman from The Tiny MBA, Rami from Hovercode and Rocket Gems, Jane and Benedict from UserList, Kendall Morgan, Ruben Gomez of Signwell, Corey Haynes of Swipewell, Mike Wade of Crowd Sentry. Nate Ritter of Roomsteals, Anna Mast of SubscribeSense, Jeff Roberts from Outsetta, Justin Jackson, MegaMaker, Jack Ellis and Paul Jarvis from Fathom Analytics, Matthew from Appointment Reminder, Andrew Culver at Bullet Train, John Coster, Alex of Corso Systems, Richard from Stunning, Josh the Annoyingly Pragmatic Founder, Ben from ConsentKit, John from Credo and Editor Ninja, Cam Sloan, Michael Copper of Nusi Proposals, Chris from URL Box, Callie of Toslet, Greg Park from Trait Lab, Adam from Rails Autoscale, Lana and Alex from Recapsi, Joe Mazzalotti of RailsDevs.com, Proud Mama from Applenet LLC, Anna from Cradle, Monsef from Ruby on Mac, Steve of Be Inclusive, Simon Bennett of Snapshooter Backups, Josh Smith of KeyHero.io, Jesper Christensen of Form Backend, 
Matthew of Works Cited, Chris of JetBoost.io, Daryl Shannon of Docomatic, Larabelles, a community for Larabelle developers underrepresented due to their gender, Brendan from Feederloop, Pascal from Sharpen.page, Lynn Romick from Convini, Arvid Call, James Sowers from Castaway.fm, Jessica Malnick, Damian Moore of Audio Audit Podcast Checker, Eldon from Nodal Studios, Mitchell Davis from RecruitKit.